Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Steak, No Sizzle. An honest, no BS look at life, sports, and entertainment. I am your host, Devin McKenzie, coming to you once again from the mean streets of, well, Southfield, Michigan. <laughs> this week, we're going to bring you episode nine of the show. Um, I want to thank everybody who listened to last week's episode, where I kind of went on a little rant about the whole Donald Trump being elected situation. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. Um, last week's episode, we I was planning on putting out my mid-season awards for the NFL, and at, at the time, I just didn't feel like it, it was needed. I felt like we needed to change topics and talk about what happened with the election. It was the biggest, honestly, it's one of the biggest things probably ever happened in our country. And giving out midseason awards for football just didn't seem right at the time. So this week, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to do the award show. I'll probably save that for the end of the season to give out my uh, entire season awards. But what I will do is um, I'm going to get present to you the midseason breakdown for the Detroit Lions. I actually recorded this last week and was planning on putting this on the episode last week. But as I was getting ready to record the awards for the entire league, um, yeah, Donald Trump happened. So this was already recorded last week. I was getting ready to put this out last week. So I'm going to put it out this week. It's going to be basically a wrap-up of how the Lions season has gone so far. Some things have changed a little bit since then. Right now, the Detroit Lions are number one in the NFC North. And you get to hear kind of my thoughts on how the rest of the season is going to go. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to that. Before we jump into that, got a few things I want to get off of my chest. And this is going to not going to be a Donald Trump rant again this week. We're going to, we're going to move past that for now. It might come up again. We'll see. <clears throat> but one thing that I want everybody to pay attention to is go out on your your Spotify's, your title, your Google Music, your Beats Music, your YouTube's, or however you listen to your music. If you still go to the store and buy albums, go out and listen to the new Tribe Called Quest album. I'm a huge fan of the Tribe. Honestly, I never thought that we would get another album from those guys. And right now, they have the number one album in the country. And to be honest with you, I've, I've had a chance to listen to it from top to bottom, but <laughs> I, I really need to sit down and listen to it. It's a couple songs that I can't get past because it's just so damn good, like We The People. And actually, they just put a video out for that song, too. So go check out your YouTubes, your, your, your Vivos. And wherever you watch your music videos, check out We The People by a Tribe Called Quest. It's a great album. And it is very, very much needed at this time. Especially with <laughs> everything that's gone on in the past week. Well, there I go talking about Donald Trump again. But this Tribe album is, is excellent. And it's to me, it is definitely in, in contention for album of the hip-hop album of the year. Um... If you're if you're not a Tribe fan, listen to it anyway. You will probably become a Tribe fan after this. If you are a Tribe fan, 
well, you probably listened to it and got it already. I actually need to go over to my parents' crib to see if my vinyl copy of the album has come in. And like I said, from top to bottom, quality album. They did a great job. Um, you know, and it kind of saddens me a little bit that Five Dog passed away and he can't be a part of this resurgence of one of the greatest rap groups of all time. They were on, uh, I was about to call it the Chappelle Show. They were on Saturday Night Live this past Saturday where Dave Chappelle was hosting, to me, one of the best episodes of Saturday Night Live in a long time, mainly because it was probably one of my one of my favorite comedians and one of my favorite rap groups performing. But they, they did a great performance, and they had a nice tribute to Five Dog as well. And it... Thinking about Fice passing away and him not being able to be a part of that Saturday Night Live performance and being able to enjoy the release of their new album got me to think about um, one of, and really two of my favorite groups, uh, Slum Village and Little Brother. And I feel like what I'm going to say might be out of place. You know, I'm I'm not a member of those groups. I'm you know I'm just a fan, and I might be out of line for for saying what I'm about to say, but I feel as though I need to get it off of my chest. Um, a couple of years ago, I went and saw El Zai, who is one of the members of Slum Village. I went and saw him perform at St Andrews. I want to say this was. Four years ago, when he dropped his uh, Elmatic uh, album, basically it was uh, Elza's reimagining of Elmatic by Nas, and it was a great show. Elza's a great rapper. He honestly, I think he's one of the most underrated lyricists in the game, and uh, big fan of his. So I went to the show and had a good time. Actually, I, I bumped into him before the show across the street at Sweetwater Tavern. And then stuck around after the, the concert, you know, shake his hand. You know, I think, yeah, I got an autograph. I got an, get an autograph copy of the album. And it was chopping it up with him for a minute. And I kind of, you know, just said to him, you know, hey, man. Well, honestly, at that point, I, like, stopped kind of stopped, you know, following hip-hop as closely as I had in the past. And I asked him, you know, hey, so when are you and Slum Village going to do anything? He's like, yeah, I'm not a member of the group anymore. Like, and I didn't I didn't know. Um, there had been falling out. And, you know, he kind of talked about it a little bit. He didn't go too much into detail. And, I, you know, I just said, hey, man, well, I hope one day you guys can, you know, come together and work that out. And he looked me dead in my eye. He said, nah, man. And I, I was I was shocked. I'm like, damn. I mean, is it that bad? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm guessing it is. And it, it kind of, I ain't going to say, it, you know, I felt bad about it, you know. Because, you know, Slum Village, is a Detroit classic group, you know what I mean? Pioneers, and 
for them to be fighting within each other right now, you know, honestly, it's a little bit sad, man. And you look at that group, they've lost two members. Slum Village, the original crew was Ba-Ten, Jay Dilla, and T3. And Dilla and Ba-Ten have both passed away. T3 is really the only original member left. Elza came in. Um, after Dilla left the group and you know for them to be fighting and you know not getting along especially after two you know members of the group have already passed on you know for them not to be getting along like that it is is, you know it's kind of sad and I, I just hope that one day they can get past the issues and you know be able to you know even if they don't put out another piece of music, which I would love, I would love to hear something else from T3 and Elza, and you know, even current member um, Young RJ and Jay Dilla's brother Illa J. I would love to hear something from those four people: T3, RJ, uh, Illa J, and you know, Elza. I would love to hear something from them. But even if they don't come together and put music out, you know, I would just want them to work out their issues so they can at least be civil towards each other, you know what I mean? And hopefully they can do that. And hopefully they can learn from Tribe. You know, Tribe, they've had their problems. You know, if you saw the the documentary that was put out by Michael Rappaport, you saw those issues and those problems come out, you know, on stage and behind stage at um, at one of the festivals, you know. I, I just hope that they're able to work out whatever issues they have and maybe even <laughs> get another slum village out. And another one of my favorite groups, honestly, this is probably my favorite rap group of all time. And I think the reason why I say that is because number one, I can relate to these guys. And two, they came out at a time in my life where I could truly appreciate it. You know, when you have a, a Tribe Called Quest, Tribe Called Quest came out in like 89, 90. I was four or five years old when they came out. I had to, you know, grow to appreciate their music later on in life, you know. You know, you got an outcast, you know. Yeah, I was listening to Outcast when I was a kid, but they came out when I was, you know, like nine years old. So I didn't completely understand everything that they were saying. It wasn't until later on in life that I completely understood know exactly how good and what it is that they were saying you know you look at the Wu-Tang Clan like I said they came out when I was eight big Wu-Tang fan but couldn't really appreciate exactly what it, how great they really were so when Little Brother really came out in around 2003 2004 I was just graduated from high school I was in college and I, I saw them live for the first time in 2004 when I was uh freshman in college so as they're you know progressing in their career i'm getting older and i'm you know following them right when i can you know start to understand how good and you know what they're actually talking about so to me little brother is is my favorite rap group of all time and (laughs) and it's ironic because they call themselves little brother because they look at themselves as the little brothers of groups like the Wu-Tang Clan, like a tribe called Quest, like Slum Village, like Outkast. And to me, some of the best music, best hip-hop music of the 2000s came from 
Little Brother. Just great, great albums, great music, hip hop at its best. And they had their their issues, and I think they're starting to you know work those out. Um, I heard Fonte recently in an interview saying that the whole situation with Fife Dog passing away kind of helped him think that maybe a reunion with Little Brother is, is possible because he, he didn't want it to get to that point where someone passes away from the group and then they start thinking, man, what if we had you know put our issues aside and came together? And I, I really do hope that does happen because, man, a Little Brother reunion would be amazing. <laughs> oh, man, just let me, let me tell you a quick story about Little Brother. My cousin Darius was the one that put me up on them. Little Brother was having a concert in Detroit. Um, I think it was the Connected Tour. If you're any of you familiar with the Foreign Exchange, Fonte is the you know the lead singer for Foreign Exchange, and Foreign Exchange basically started off as Fonte and a producer from the Netherlands named Nicolay. They worked together on a side project. Well, it was a side project for Fonte. They worked together on a side project, never meeting each other. They put you know exchanging files back and forth and put an album out called. Connected, which was the first foreign exchange album, which was kind of R&B-ish, but more hip-hop-ish, right? At the time, you know, Little Brother was still a group, and they were, you know, putting out albums and still working. And, you know, basically still building their their group. So, at the time, Little Brother had the listening out, and Fonte and Nicolette just put out the foreign exchange album, so... Basically, he had two albums out. My cousin said to me, hey, there's this rap group that you need to listen to called Little Brother. They're going to be in Detroit. I'm going to give you a copy of The Listening with Little Brother's first album. And I'm going to give you a copy of Connected for an exchange first album. This is going to be the Connected tour, but, you know, it's basically going to be a Little Brother tour. I want you to get you $20. I think that's how much the tickets were. He said, get you $20 and we're going to go to the show. And like I said, here's the albums to listen to ahead of time. But if you don't like the show, <laughs> I'll give you your $20 back. I'm like, cool. All right. Free concert, man. And, you know, I kind of half listened to the albums. You know, I might have put it on for a second. You know, it's like background noise. Didn't really pay attention to it. You know, I'm like, eh, whatever. Man, I go to the show, and what? Well, before I get talk about Little Brother, I got introduced to a group called the Athletic Mike League. Some cats from Ann Arbor, they're really, really good. You know, some of the members are known as Buff One, Fourteen uh, KT. Just you know, some very talented brothers. There's also a group there called Now On, and if any of you are familiar with Mayor Hawthorne. Mayor Hawthorne used to be the DJ for now on. He was known by DJ Haircut at the time. Yep. Man, I'm uh, <laughs> showing my age right now. So I got to see Mayor Hawthorne before he was Mayor Hawthorne. So this was a great show. But, you know, to cap it off, 
little brother comes out and you know they're rocking the crowd man fonte if you've never seen fonte if you've never seen foreign exchange if you never saw little brother you got to see him live you got to see fonte perform live fonte is hilarious he's just a great great performer and rapper big Pooh, man he is a great performer as well just the two of them just work extremely well together and at that point i'm like man all right now i gotta go back and listen to these albums <laughs> that you get that my cousin gave me and actually listen to them now so little brother man is, is one of my favorite rap groups of all time and i would love for the two or well, three of them fonte rapper big poo and ninth wonder to come together and and, and you know, work together again, man. Put some more music out. I feel like they've got they've got a lot left in in them to say. And now they've, they've taken some time off. I think they stopped making music in two thousand and see the two thousand eight, two thousand nine when their last album came out. So we're talking seven eight years. And over those seven eight years, each of these guys have been through you know a lot of ups and a lot of downs. They've seen a lot of different things. They've They've grown, they're grown-ass men now. And to hear what they have to say now in comparison to, you know, what they were saying then, I, I think the world needs to hear what they have to say. So th this is my plea to Slum Village and Little Brother. Whatever issues that you guys have with each other, as as a fan, and like I said, if this is out of line, I apologize, but I feel like I need to say this. Whatever issues you guys have, I, f I feel as though you can get over it because if something were to happen to one of, the, one of the, you guys and... If something were to happen, one of you were to pass away, like a situation you have with a tribe called Quest. Afterwards, you're going to be sitting there thinking, man, remember those times? Remember back when we were in the studio and, you know, Elza did this. So you remember back in the when we were on tour and, you know, rapper Big Pooh did this. And then you're going to sit there and think, man. What if, what if, you know, we were able to put our differences aside and work together one more time? You know, Tribe was able to, you know, record an album before Fife's passing, passed away. We were lucky to get that. But now, imagine how much, how much... Imagine how much more special this reunion would be if they had Fife Dog out there bringing that energy live and in person, you know. Imagine how much more special that Saturday Night Live performance would have been if they had Fife Dog out there rocking the crowd alongside Jerobi, alongside Q-Tip, alongside Ali Shaheed Muhammad, you know. And we'll never get that. But 
you know, Slum Village, you guys have already lost two members. Ba-Ten and, and Jay Dilla, they're gone, man. And we'll, we'll never be able to have those guys out there performing. But, you know, Young RJ, Illa J, T3, Elza, you guys still have opportunity, man. Hopefully you guys can squash whatever the problems is and and come together, man. Do some do something together. You know. Ninth Wonder, rapper Big Pooh, Fonte, you guys still have that opportunity, man. And, and I I don't know what you guys what you guys' relationship is with the Q Tip, with Ali Shahid, with Jerobi. With um, T3. I don't know you know, how often you talk to these guys. But ask them, man. And I'm willing to bet that they'll tell you whatever issues that we had <laughs> were minor compared to the love that these guys had for each other. You know, those good times they had making music together. I just ask that you try, man. You know. And I'm telling you right now, man, if Little Brother ever puts together a tour, y'all better come to Detroit, man. <laughs> y'all better come to Detroit, man. I know. <laughs> I forgot what it was. I want to say it was like a promotional mixtape that you guys put out where you, I think it was like inside of like a a record store when you putting out the Minstrel Show album. I think this one it was. And it was like a little listening party that you guys had. And you were talking about the worst concert you guys ever had and it was east lansing michigan at the temple i was actually at that show and i remember it because you guys did ann arbor michigan on a friday uh forgot where you guys went saturday i want to say you guys were over in toronto on a saturday and then sunday you guys came to east lansing michigan i was at the ann arbor michigan and the east lansing show and i remember that that east lansing show and it, it honestly it wasn't the best i mean you guys did your thing but the crowd just was not there and i remember you guys saying like that was the one of the worst performances worst uh shows you guys have ever had and i was there man so i'm not necessarily saying you got to come back to east lansing but come back to detroit man if you guys ever um if you guys ever do a reunion tour, gotta come to Detroit. I ain't gonna lie, I'm willing to fly down to North Carolina if you guys ever do do a show. But um, if you do a tour, you gotta come to Detroit, man. But I, I really hope that you guys can um, man, I really I really hope you guys can squash whatever beef that you guys have and, and come together before it's too late. So, that's enough of that. Um, coming up soon, people, on the show, I'm going to, like I said before, I'm going to be doing a series of shows talking about my parents' hometown, Equipment, Mississippi, and them growing up in this little town in Mississippi. And like I said before, my mother, she was one of the first people to graduate from integrated high schools in Equipment, Mississippi. I had a chance to talk to her. I had a chance to talk to my father. Um, and I'm in the process of interviewing people 
uh, about the goings on down there and equipment. And next weekend, which is Thanksgiving weekend, I'm going to be flying down there to interview a few more people and, you know, get the story from people down there in the town and kind of get an idea of what it's like there now and how it was back then. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm flying down, flying to New Orleans and driving up to Quitman. And then I'm going to catch a New Orleans Saints game. So I'm looking forward to that and getting another uh, football stadium off of my bucket list. And I was able to knock two stadiums off of my bucket list this past weekend. I flew out to Arizona to see my girlfriend. Hey, baby. Um, We went to Phoenix Suns and an Arizona Cardinals game. It was a really good game. The Cardinals had against the San Francisco 49ers. Got to see uh got to see the boy Colin Kaepernick live. That was uh pretty interesting. <laughs> pretty interesting. Uh Cardinals came away with a victory, so it was a good, you know, good vibes there. Um let me let me just say this real quick before, you know, I'm rambling on, but we're gonna get into the show in a second. But let me just say this, man. The highlight of my trip, aside from seeing my girlfriend, was the parking man like parking was only ten dollars i couldn't believe it it was ten dollars at the at the suns game and it was ten dollars at the cardinals game and like the most i saw was like 20 20 25 dollars for like vip parking at the cardinals game i could not believe it anybody has ever been to you know like a, a lions game know you paying about 30 40 50 dollars for parking you know what i mean so ten dollar parking man shit <laughs> man that was like the best thing in the world to me and like my girl was like nah you know $10 parking that's about it that's the most you'll really see you know you might get like $20 parking but it's $10 parking I'm like man that's like the greatest thing in the world <laughs> man so yeah I had to get like I said I had a good time in Arizona flights were oh man so I'm flying to Sacramento in December for a UFC fight and after I came back from Phoenix, I went on the websites and I upgraded my seats, man. Because it's like when you flying for that long of amount of time, especially when you're six foot four, damn near 300, like, you got to spend the money, man. <laughs> you have to go ahead and spend the money. Because, oh, man, that, that was brutal. The, the flight. I flew American coming back. The flight from Phoenix to Chicago was brutal. I mean, like, I, I was just sweating, uncomfortable, back hurting, just uh, it, br- brutal. Like, it, it got to the point where I'm just, li- I'm literally like sitting there thinking, like, I gotta get the fuck off this plane, man. <laughs> So, um, yeah, if, if you're a big dude on an airplane, spend the extra cash. Just go ahead and spend it, if you can. Like, yeah, as soon as I got back, man, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and upgrade this shit, man, because this is, this is ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I'm flying to Arizona, not Arizona, excuse me, I'm flying to New Orleans this weekend for Thanksgiving. I hope you guys 
wherever you're going for Thanksgiving, whether you're going around the corner to your auntie's, your mama house, or you're flying across the country, you be safe out there, have a good time, enjoy yourself. I'm going to put an episode out before I go. Um, actually, I, I haven't figured out what I'm going to put out yet. We'll see. I'll, I'll let you guys know, but... Man, this intro has been long enough. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Before I do that, let me just say, make sure you guys follow, like, subscribe, share the page here on SoundCloud. Make sure you check out the All Steak No Sizzle Facebook page. If you want to shoot me an email, you can hit me up at asnspodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you hit me up on the Twitters and the Instagrams at devinthe63, that's D-E-V-I-N-T-H-E-6-3. Shoot me a message. Shoot me a message with your comments and concerns, you know, future episodes that you want to you know, if your future topics that you want to hear me talk about. Hey, if you want to be on the show. Ah, there we go. If you want to be on the show, hit me up. Um, Hey, here's something else. If you have something that you're doing right now, if you have a project, if you have um, a business that you're running, hit me up. I, I just realized that a friend of mine just opened up a salon, and I'm probably going to hit her up to see if, you know, Want me to get the word out there? I'm not gonna do it now because I don't know if she, you know, wants that done. But you know, a little bit of advertisement never hurt anybody. So hit me up if you have something that you're looking to promote. Get you on the show, do a little interview, a little sit down talk. <laughs> yeah. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the state of the Detroit Lions. All my friends are definitely looking forward to it's the wars for the Detroit Lions. Um, let's go ahead and start off with the Rookie of the Year award. We're gonna give Rookie of the Year on both the defensive and offensive side of ball. And let's go ahead and start with the defense. To be honest with you, this was a little difficult because. A lot of our rookies, really on both sides of the ball, haven't made any, I guess you would say, noticeable uh, impact stat-wise, but got to give the award out anyway. So the rookie of the year on defense for the Detroit Lions goes to Mr. Sean Robinson, the defensive tackle. As we talked about in previous episode, the Detroit Lions have a lot of defensive linemen on this team. And Ashawn has done a pretty good job of stepping up and, and making plays when he's had the opportunity opportunities, excuse me. So far he has nine tackles on the season, five assisted tackles. He also has two sacks, and he also has four plays defended. So for a guy who's in a 
rotation with many defensive linemen for him to be able to put up those numbers is pretty good. And basically on the defensive side of the ball, he's really the only rookie that's made any stat-worthy impact on the team. So them, you know, shuffling in defensive tackles, you know, play after play, he he's one of the probably the only <laughs> rookie that's um, made an impact, but he's definitely made an impact. When you can get sacks from the defensive tackle position, you're, you're doing your thing. When you get plays defended from the defensive tackle position, you're doing your thing. So, Mr. Ashawn Robinson is the defensive rookie of the year so far. On the offensive side of the ball, the offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to give a co-award for this one. It's going to go to offensive tackle Taylor Decker and offensive guard slash center Graham Glasgow. These two gentlemen have been a part of what I say is a growing offensive line. They've come in and helped solidify the center and really the guard position with uh, Warford banged up. Graham Glasgow has come in and did a pretty darn good job filling in to guard position. Taylor Decker has basically been the starter at left tackle the entire year. He got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but he's definitely improving. So I'm going to give offensive rookie to both of those gentlemen for helping solidify the offensive line. Now, the thing is with them, they're learning. They're still learning the game. They're still that whole offensive line is is young and they're learning to work together. So this year they're doing a they're doing a good job, but next year I expect that offensive line to be a lot better because they'll have a whole season under their belt working together and they have a whole year to gel together and they basically that line's going to be together for for a while. Taylor Decker, excuse me, not Taylor Decker, uh Riley Reef, I think his contract is coming up soon. So they're going to have to make a decision on whether they want to bring him back and keep him at that right tackle spot or if they want to find someone else. But for the most part, that offensive line is going to be sticking together. So good job to Decker and Glasgow for helping solidify that offensive line. Our next award is going to go to the most improved player of the year. And for this award... You have to look at players that, you know, in the past have been shaky or under underachieved, and this year you're starting to see them improve and, and play better. And I'm going to give the most improved player award to <laughs> a gentleman that, if you know me, you know I have um, some issues with this guy with him even being on the team. Not necessarily a big fan of this guy because of really where he was drafted, the position he played, and basically the players that we could have had had we not drafted this gentleman. But I have to give him credit where credit is due. When he's been on the field, he's been a difference maker. He helps keep the – the ball rolling. He's a good in a good position. Excuse me, a good possession player for the team and a good safety valve for Matt Stafford. And I can't believe I'm saying this. 
I really can't. But the most improved player to me so far this season has to go to Eric Ebron. <sighs> I just I just need a minute to collect my thoughts on that. <laughs> Eric Ebron is my most improved player of the year. And he has actually had a pretty good season when he's been able to play, when he's been healthy. He has 32 catches on the season. He has 381 yards, which puts him at third on the team in receiving yards. And for a guy who's, you know, been banged up and missed a couple of games, it's pretty damn good. He's uh, behind Marvin Jones and Golden Tate as far as uh, receiving yards on the team. He only has one touchdown, but I think that that will continue to improve. This team has a lot of different weapons in, in different areas, and you look at who's leading the team in touchdown receptions, you're looking at guys like Theo Reddick, you're looking at Marvin Jones, you're looking at uh, Anquan Bolden. You know, I think Golden Tate has a couple in there too. So that ball is being spread around a lot. So – you know, and basically, to, to be fair, Anquan Bolden has basically been used as sort of a tight end in this offense. So, and especially when when Ebron's been out. So when Matt Stafford is in there in the in the red zone, he's basically gotten used to throwing the ball to Anquan Bolden or dumping it down to uh, Theo Riddick, but. I think if Eric Ebron is was able to stay healthy, and I hope he does in the second half of the season, you'll see his touchdown numbers go up. But for a guy who's, you know, like I said, been banged up and only played in six games this year, six of the nine games, for him to be, you know, what, fourth on the, on the team in receptions or tie – no, fifth on the team in receptions, third in receiving yards and have a touchdown on the year – Got to give the guy credit. He's definitely the most improved player on the year. He's, he's, I haven't seen him drop that many passes this year. I got to give him credit. You know, that's one of the big things about him. Like he was a pass catching tight end that dropped the damn ball. You know, that's not a good combination. But got to give the guy credit. He's definitely improved this year. My next award is going to be the Unsung Heroes Award, and we're going to give that award to a player on offense and a player on defense. On the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to give the Unsung Hero Award to a gentleman that I was just talking about, Mr. Anquan Bowden. Anquan is an older gentleman. He, he's been in the league a long time. He's 36 years old, one of the oldest receivers in the game. And he's always been a, a very good receiver. He's always been – you know, very sturdy with the ball and catching it and holding on to it. He's a big body receiver. He almost, he's basically, a, like I said, almost like a tight end. Very strong. He's very good at, you know, getting yards after the catch. But most, of, he's not like a Golden Tate where he, when he catches the ball and he can, you know, use his speed and agility to get yards after the catch. You know, for the most part, Bolden's going to bowl you right over. So, he definitely fits a, a much-needed role in this offense. When Eric Ebron's been banged up, basically they've gone to Bolden as that de facto tight end. And he, he's been a very good possession receiver. He's very good on getting that first down on, in third down situations. He 
It's good in the red zone. The guy has five touchdowns on the season right now. He's leading um, all receivers on the team in touchdown receptions right now. And for a guy who is basically a late, you know, late offseason add to, you know, add to the roster, you got to give the guy a lot of credit. You know, he's not putting up, like, the yards that uh, Marvin Jones and the Golden Tate is. Like, those guys are putting up flashy numbers. You know, Marvin Jones a lot earlier in the season and more lately Golden Tate is putting up the numbers. But Anquan Bolden, he's definitely playing his role. He's that he's a very, very good number three wide receiver. He might possibly be the probably the best number the best number three receiver in the league so far this year. And he's definitely added a dimension to this uh, this receiving core that Matt Stafford needs. And like I said before in the season preview, I said that Matt Stafford I feel has the best receiving core this year that he's had his entire career. And when you lose a guy like Calvin Johnson, I feel that that's helped Matt Stafford because now he has to depend on his receivers and find find these guys, and he's doing it. He, he's definitely doing it. And Eric Ebron at tight end, he's benefiting from it. We're, we're getting a chance to see him flourish. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones are doing a good job. Uh, they're the two receiving leaders on the team. You're seeing a guy like Theo Riddick who's catching the ball out of the backfield. You're seeing him have a good year. And Anquan Bolding, that veteran presence, he's definitely benefiting as well. So each receiver is playing their role. And I got to give Anquan Bolding that unsung hero award because he's basically <laughs> been the man. And unsung hero on the defensive side of the ball is going to go to a gentleman who – a lot of people probably never even heard of until this year. A gentleman that honestly was really on nobody's radar. He made he had a great preseason. He, he basically impressed the coaches and basically told them, "Hey, either you keep me or you let me go. But if you let me go, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to put up numbers." And that gentleman is by goes by the name of Kerry Hyder, the defensive tackle. He is. The guy's having a great season. He honestly, you might end up seeing him if he's on keeps going on the pace that he's on right now. You might see him end up in Honolulu and in, in, at the Pro Bowl. He's having that good of a year. He has 17 tackles so far, three assisted this year. He has a fumble recovery. But here's the most impressive stat: the guy has seven sacks this year. He leads the team and sacks this year, and he's in the top ten in sacks in the league right now. He's only two sacks, two and a half sacks behind the leader, Von Miller. The guy's having a great year, um, and, he, and it came out of nowhere. Like, the guy's an unsigned free agent. He's not making that much money. I think he's only making about $500,000 this year. So to get that kind of production at such a cheap price, you know, credit to the GM, Bob Quinn, for – you know, finding this guy and keeping him on the team and, you know, finding good, cheap, young talent. I keep saying, I've I've been saying that for a while on how you build a, a, a championship team, how you build a team the Patriot way, which is the organization that Bob Quinn is from. He's from the deep, uh, New England Patriots. And basically he's going to employ those same strategies that, that they use in New England here in Detroit. And 
the best way to do it. And one of the key elements of that is finding good, cheap, young talent. Kerry Hyder definitely fits into that. The guy, like I said, the guy leads the team in sacks right now with seven. He's one of the league leaders in sacks. You can't really ask. <laughs> I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? You know, the guy's number he's number nine in the league in sacks. Really, he's kind of tied for the sixth spot with Khalil Mack, who's been a beast this year. You know, him and Khalil Mack have the have the same number of sacks this year, man. Come on, the guy the guy's been a beast. And that's why he's my unsung hero on the defensive side of the ball. And let's go ahead and transition to the defensive player of the year. Well, since I already got Mr. Kerry Hyder up, I'm going to go ahead and make him co-defensive player of the year so far for the Detroit Lions. Like I said, leads the team in sacks. He's number nine in the NFL in sacks. Now he has a fumble recovery. He He's doing a good, very good job in the middle of that defensive line. He's getting pressure from the middle, which if your defensive line can create pressure up the middle, you're you're definitely going to be in, in a very advantageous situation. That defense doesn't have a lot going on, you know, but when your defensive line can create pressure, you're getting sacks from your defensive tackle spot, That there's a good start. So Kerry Hyder, I expect to see him get a nice – Nice contract at the end of the year. I expect to see him with the team for a while because he's a guy that you can help. That can help this team in the future and you can kind of build around. Like I said, cheap, young talent. He's the kind of guy that you need. But I said he was the co-defensive player of the year because I also have the give defensive player of the year award to Mr. Tamir Whitehead, linebacker. Now, I've said before that our linebacker and our defensive backfield is not necessarily the strongest. It's really not. It's honestly two of our weak points. We need to uh, improve in the offseason at the linebacker and basically the defensive backfield total. But we do have one guy who we definitely need to keep who's – been consistent pretty much the whole year. A guy who's who come on, who a guy who came on a couple of years ago, and has proven that he deserves to be a starter in this league. And Tamara White has definitely done that. And this season, our best linebacker DeAndre Levy's been hurt the whole year, and there's question of whether he's going to be able to play the rest of the season or whether he's going to even continue playing, you know, at all. But if we do lose DeAndre Levy for the year, if he decides to retire, we do have a guy who can anchor that off that linebacking core in Tamir Whitehead. Tamir Whitehead is tied for the league league in tackles at 61. He has 25 assisted tackles as well. He also has five plays defended. And basically what that means is he can go out and he can cover – tight ends and guys that come over the middle and he's he's batting balls down. He's doing a good job of that. Tamir Whitehead, he's he's another one of those guys that is young, cheap talent. But he's gonna when his contract is up, he's gonna get paid. You're gonna have to pay the guy. 
probably not as much as you know other linebackers, but you, this is a guy you definitely have to keep. You're going to have to re-sign him, and you're going to have to lock him up because he's going to be the anchor of that that linebacking core, and he's definitely one of the bright spots on what has been a, a weak defense. Like I said, he's, he's tied for the league lead in tackles, and trust me, he's had plenty of opportunity to uh, – to uh, get tackles, you know, when you, you look at our team, and you look at the, the guys on the team that lead the team in tackles. Uh, of course, Tamir Whitehead is the leader because he's the league, one of the league leaders. But you start looking at the positions after that. You got Glover Quinn, who's a safety. Tavon Wilson, who's a corner. Quandre Diggs, who's a corner. Uh, Nevin Lawson is a corner. Raphael Bush, who's a safety. Darius Slay is a corner. And then the next person after that is our co-defensive player of the year and Kerry Hyder. Good defenses get their tackles from their defensive line and their linebackers. The corners, you really don't want your corners to be your top tacklers because if they're the ones that's making the most tackles on your team, that means people are – Making big plays, especially if it's in a run, if it's in the run game, those guys are having to make tackles up the field, which means the offense is getting big plays on you. So you want your linebackers and your defensive linemen to be the ones that lead that are your top tacklers. And Tamir Whitehead, like I said, he's the linebacker, he's the top tackler on the team. But when you have six guys after that, that lead the team in tackles, and those six guys after that are defensive backs, it's a problem. So, Tamir Whitehead and Kerry Hyder are two guys who are, you know, shining on this defense. They're going to get paid. We're going to have to pay those guys and continue to support them and add, add pieces around them. Those two guys can be centerpieces on this defense in the future, and hopefully they continue to play the way that they have the first half of the season so that they can get paid at the end of the year. Now, let's go to the Offensive Player of the Year. And I think it's pretty easy to say, just go ahead and say Matt Stafford is the Offensive Player of the Year. But I didn't want to go go the easy route. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the stats and – pick a guy who wasn't a quarterback. And the person that I decided to go with is Theo Riddick. I could have went Anquan Bowden because, like I said, he's the number one receiver as far as touchdowns on the team. I could have went Marvin Jones because he's the league leader in yards and he has four touchdowns on the season so far. I could have gone with Golden Tate because he know he's honestly one of the best receivers in the game when it comes to uh, yards after the catch and make, making big plays. But I decided to go with Theo Riddick because I feel like this offense runs much better when Theo is in the game. I feel like his he has a huge role in the team because he's – the number one running back with Amir Abdullah being out. He leads the team in rushing yards with 297. He also has a rushing touchdown. He also 
is one of the top guys on the team as far as receptions. He's, and that's been his role in the past. He has 35 catches on the year, and he has 273 receiving yards. He also has four receiving touchdowns. So he's tied with Anquan Bolden for touchdowns as far as um, offensive weapons. He tied, he has, ugh. he's tied for touchdown. He's tied for the most touchdowns on the team. And as far as yards from scrimmage, he's numbered two on the team as far as total yards from scrimmage, only behind Marvin Jones. So when you combine his rushing and his receiving yards, and you do that for everybody on this team, he's the number two player on this team as far as yards from scrimmage. The guy's definitely important to this team. He's really important because, like I was saying, with Ebron and Bowden in those third down and short yardage situations, he's basically been there as a safety valve for Matt Stafford. And when you your safety valve can get you four touchdowns receiving, the guy's a weapon. He's definitely been a weapon the entire year. And when he's played, I felt like this team is much better. Like this past weekend against the Minnesota Vikings, when – you have Theo Riddick back out there making plays from from the receiving and the rushing side of things. This offense runs a lot better. So, like I said, I didn't want to go the easy route and give Matt Stafford the offensive player of the year. Decided to give it to Theo Riddick because I feel like he is the offensive player that makes that offense roll. And then there's the MVP award for the Detroit Lions. And who else can I give it to than Matt Stafford? And if anybody knows me, it's really hard for me to say that. It's, oh. <laughs> man, that's difficult because I am not a Matt Stafford fan. I never have been, and it's it's really difficult to admit that the guy's playing, the guy's playing damn well. No, if you remember the season preview, I said that basically in order for this team to have any kind of success, he has to be the one that leads them there. And so far, he's done that. And when you have a defense that's not necessarily that good, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball. You're already coming in at a deficit. But Matt Stafford (laughs) – I mean, what can I say? The guy has played MVP-worthy football. And I'm not just saying, you know, for the team. He's played MVP-worthy for the season. This has been one of his – I think this has definitely been his best season so far because, like I said, his, his defense is not helping him out at all for the most part. Stafford, you know, he he one of my complaints about him has been his turnovers really hasn't turned the ball over that much. He has five interceptions on the season. And I think in the game against Minnesota, that was his first interception since week three, if I'm not mistaken, I'll check the stats, you know, to, uh, 
to verify that, but the guy, he's not turning the ball over, and he's, he's scoring touchdowns. Touchdown to turnover ratio is a stat that I've kind of always kept my eye on, and Matt Stafford, he's always been on the wrong side of that, but now he's doing his thing. Yeah, it's been since week four against Chicago since he's thrown an interception. So, and you look at the games that he's played, he's led this team back <laughs> on fourth quarter drives just about all of their just about all of their wins. And that that's something you can't you can't teach that. That's something that has to be in you and. You look at the teams that he's beaten this year, I've got to give him credit. Indianapolis is a team that I picked to you know, be a playoff team. And he went to Indianapolis and won a game against them. You look at Washington, who is probably in, going to be in contention for a playoff spot as well. They beat Washington. Minnesota right now is the number one team in this division, and at one point, was thought to be a major player as far as the playoff goes. And they just beat Minnesota in, in comeback fashion in overtime in Minnesota. So, Matt Stafford, he, <laughs> before the season started, I asked a lot of people, did they feel that Matt Stafford deserved to be paid as the highest paid player in the NFL. And a lot of people said no, that he didn't deserve to be the highest paid player in the league. But we don't have anybody else. He's our guy. You're going to have to pay him regardless. And honestly, I don't. I, I still don't want to pay the guy. <laughs> I still don't want to make him the highest paid player in the NFL. I just don't. But I also have to be fair and realistic. The guy's earned he's earned it. The way he's played in the first nine games of this season, he's proving that he deserves to be the highest paid player in the league. Now, me personally, I wouldn't do it right now. I wouldn't do it at the end of this season. I would make him do it again next year because our schedule is going to be a lot tougher next year if they continue to play the way they are. Schedule is going to be a lot tougher. And I, in my opinion, I think we're going to get a better barometer of what Matt Stafford really is by playing tougher competition. But, I mean, the way he's played so far, you almost have to break him off and pay the guy $25, million, $25 $26 million a year. And you also got... Derek Carr, whose contract is coming up at the end of the year, well, who's going to be eligible for a contract extension, and you're going to see the two of them battling each other for who's going to be the highest-paid player in the league. So Matt Stafford is the MVP of the first half of the season. <sighs> now let's let's run through the state of the whole team. On episode three, the season preview, I predicted the Lions would go six and ten. Well, <laughs> if you look at where they are now, they're five 
and four with seven games to go. I predicted them to go six and ten, and depending on how this game against Minnesota went was going to determine whether I stuck with that prediction or not. And with them beating Minnesota, I'm going to change my prediction. I think the Lions are going to go seven and nine this season. I think they're going to win two more games, and then I think they're going to drop um, the other five. So they have a bye week coming up, so they got time to you know regroup, recalibrate, get recalibrate. There you go. Let's get the word right, Devin. And you know heal up from some injuries, and then they open up the second half of the season at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville is not really a good team, but they have pieces. And the scary thing about Jacksonville is they're known for putting up numbers at in the fourth quarter. Sort of like what the Lions do. The Lions, for some reason, like especially this season, it seems like they don't want to play until the fourth quarter. And it's kind of how Jacksonville is. This, I'm predicting that the Lions win this game, but this could be a trap game. Like I said, Jacksonville is known for putting up numbers in the fourth quarter. So this game could be a little bit more interesting than people expect, but I'm going to stick with that, and I'm going to predict the Lions win. Predict that the Lions win this game and go to six and four. Now the problems kick in. They come home for Thanksgiving, the good old Thanksgiving classic, and play the Minnesota Vikings, a team they just beat this past weekend. And I think Minnesota's going to bounce back, and they're going to be pissed off. And I think they beat the Detroit Lions at home. Next, the next week after that. They're going to be going down to New Orleans to play the Saints. And the funny thing is, I'm going to the New Orleans Saints game the weekend before that. I believe they play the San Diego Chargers. I believe that's right. So I'm going to get a chance to see the Saints up close and personal uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And the Detroit Lions come down that next weekend on December 4th to play the Saints. And... I think the Saints' offense is is too powerful for the Lions' defense. There's going to be a shootout, but I I just think the Saints' offense and Drew Brees is too damn good, and I think the Saints take that game. So now the Lions will be 6-6 and at this point. After that, on December 11th, they come home to play the Chicago Bears. And, you know, Chicago, they – they lost to the Lions earlier this year in Chicago, and I don't. I really don't think they're that good. Jay Cutler is back. With him being back, Alshon Jeffrey definitely becomes more of a weapon. When uh, Bryant Hoyer was in there, Bryant Hoyer was spreading the ball around to different receivers and really wasn't targeting Alshon Jeffrey. But with Cutler, he he loves. He loves throwing the ball to Alshon. So, Alshon, I think, will definitely play better in this game. But I'm going to give the Lions this game. I think they have enough to pull that one out. So, at this point, the Lions will be 7-6. and six. 
then it gets tough. <laughs> they have two road games against the NFC East. They go to New York to play the New York football giants, and then they go down to Dallas to play the Cowboys. <clears throat> um, I think both of those are losses, man. Those two teams are going to be fighting for playoff spots. The Cowboys right now, I think, have the best record in the NFC. I don't see the Lions beating them. I, I just don't see it. Dak Prescott, well, let me take that back. If Dak Prescott is still the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys at this point, I don't see the Lions beating them. Ezekiel Elliott is a beast at the running back spot. Dak Prescott is a damn good quarterback. He knows how to make smart decisions. He can run the ball himself. He makes damn good passes, makes good decisions. That offensive line is amazing. You got Dez Bryant to worry about and Cole Beasley at the wide receiver spot. The Lions give up touchdowns to tight ends every year, and they got one. And the Cowboys have arguably, arguably the best tight end ever in Jason Witten. I'm not saying that he is, but you can put you have to put him in the conversation. And their defense is, is pretty decent. I, I don't see the Lions winning that game. And the week before that, on December 18th, they go to New York. The Giants just put up numbers this past weekend. So you know they have the ability to. And our, the Lions, for some reason, they make quarterbacks look like <laughs> Joe Montana every single week. And Eli Manning is a damn good quarterback. So I just see Eli tearing up the Lions defense as well, especially on his field in December. Not a, not a good look for the Lions. So I'm going to pick the Giants to win that game as well. And then you look at the last game of the year, January 1st. We have a home game against the Green Bay Packers. <clears throat> the Packers right now are fighting with uh, the Lions and Minnesota for a playoff spot, as, as we're talking right now. And I think by the time January 1st comes around, the Packers will have figured things out. I think they have a pretty pretty good defense, and I think by that time they will figure out their running back situation and I think Aaron Rodgers will be on track by that time. So this game right here, you know, even though I'm predicting to go seven, the Lions to go seven to nine, this game right here could be huge. It could be a game that determines whether you know one of these teams wins the division, one of these teams make the wild card or the playoffs at all. So this is, I think, this is going to be a huge game. It's going to be very, very important. And honestly, I might. I might try to get tickets for that game. I'm not going to Vegas this year like I was planning on doing, but um, I might go ahead and get some tickets for this game. You know, enjoy myself, have a good time down at Ford Field and watch the Packers and the, the Lions play. But I'm picking the Packers to win the game. So the Lions, I think, got off to a good start first half of the season, but the second half is, is pretty brutal when you're going up against, you know, Minnesota, New Orleans, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Packers. Those are all playoff teams or teams that are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Really, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Bears are the only two, I guess you would say, weak teams in the rest, rest of the way. 
And if you go on ESPN, they give a they have a predictor machine, I guess you would call it, that you know predicts the chances of winning. And even on ESPN, say the only two games that the Lions have a you know have a good chance of winning are those two games, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chicago Bears. The rest of them, ESPN is predicting them to lose those other games. So. And but the thing is, they predicted the Lions to lose to Minnesota this past weekend, so it could be wrong. But I'm gonna say seven and nine the rest of the way. And one one thing that this team has to do is we have to figure out a way to to get better on defense, which is hard to do now because the trade deadline is gone. You know, there's not really anybody out there that you can you know pick up from free agency that's gonna make a major contribution. Although the Lions did make a, they made a very good trade uh, before the deadline, where they picked up Jonathan Banks, a corner from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a guy who I I wanted them to draft a couple of years ago. He was teammates with Darius Slay at Mississippi State, and honestly, I wanted the, the Lions to draft Banks over Darius Slay. And in their first two years in the league, Banks looked like the better player, but you know coaching changes and you know he's had a different defensive coordinator every year he's been down there different defensive schemes so he kind of got lost in the shuffle so hopefully him coming here will give him a career renaissance he, he'll have uh seven games to show you know that he's still he's still a good player and i think it, it was a very good move on the lions part to pick up a good young cheap player who has shown that he can play in it before and hopefully being in a more solidified spot and, you know, playing on the other side of his former college teammate will definitely uh, help him, you know, show that he still has, has it and can help this team out in the secondary. Right. And next year is going to be an interesting year as far as the offseason goes. This team needs to get a running back. I'm hoping they can get a guy like a Leonard Fournette to help, you know, give us that weapon at the running back position that we need. Amir Abdullah can't seem to stay healthy, but if he can stay healthy next year and you add a Leonard Fournette, a Dalvin Cook type player to him, to Abdullah and Theo Reddick, and, you know, throw Zach Zender in there too and uh, Dwayne Washington, then you, you, could, you have a hell of a running back core. Like I said before, we definitely need linebackers and defensive backs. Hopefully, Jonathan Banks can solidify one of those other corner spots, but we still need to upgrade corners and our safety position. And I I don't think DeAndre Levy's coming back. I think he's going to retire at the end of the year. And if that's the case, you really only have one linebacker in Tamir Whitehead, who is the defensive player of the year. Well, co-defensive player of the year in my mind. So we're going to have to add linebackers. I think we need another tight end. You know, Eric Ebron, like I said, he's been the most improved player on the team, but he's still not the best blocking tight end, and you need another tight end on the other side of him. And I definitely think we need a backup quarterback. I've been saying that for the longest. Like, they need to draft somebody who, if Matt Stafford goes down with the injury, can come in and keep that offense rolling or a guy that can challenge Matt Stafford, that can push him. But all in all, I think 
um, I think Bob Quinn has done a, a very good job as far as being the general manager of this team. He believes in breaking in cheap, young talent, and he's done that. This team, you know, the defense, yeah, the defense is bad. Defense is bad, but defense has been bad for a while. We just had people here that's been able to mask, mask those problems. But I think give him some time. I think Brady Quinn, excuse me, not Brady Quinn, Bob Quinn will be able to bring in players to solidify that defense and make make our team better. I think he's definitely doing a good job. With some of the moves that he's made, like he traded Kyle Van Noy to the Patriots for draft picks. You know, some people were saying, like, well, we need, we're already weak at linebacker. Why is he trading Kyle Van Noy? Because Kyle Van Noy wasn't going to work out here. So he ended up getting something for him. And then he goes and trades. I want. I think it was a seventh round pick. I, I'm not mistaken. It was either sixth or a seventh round pick. I forget right now. But he trades a pick to the the Buccaneers to get Jonathan Banks. Like I said, cheap young talent who had a you know, raw deal down there in, in Tampa Bay, but has an opportunity to come here and prove that he is a good player. And we didn't. All we gave up was a was a six or a seven. Like I said, I forgot off the top of my head what draft pick it was, but it was a late round pick. Would you rather spend a late round pick on a guy that you think can play, or would you rather use that on a guy who was a second round pick before and shown you before that he can play, but has been in a bad situation? I want to take a chance on a guy that's played before, and it's not really going to cost a lot of money too. So, like I said, Bob Quinn, I think, has definitely done a good job. He's built up that defensive line. Like I said, the defensive line is the best part of our defense. And he's built the offensive line. The offensive line is gelling together. And I said next year, that offensive line, I think, can be damn good. And he's brought in competition at the running back and at the wide receiver position. So, Bob Quinn's doing a good job. But there's one thing Bob Quinn has to do this offseason. And I know this isn't going to be a popular take for me. Some people are going to disagree with me, but it has to happen. Bob Quinn has to fire Jim Caldwell. I know, I know, I know. He got us to the playoffs the first year, and he's doing well this year. But Jim Caldwell is hands down one of the worst coaches I've ever seen at managing the game. Game decisions, he's terrible at it. And and he's been terrible at, at, you know, game decisions. He doesn't know when to throw the challenge flag. He, perfect example. Think back to last season against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. The Lions pretty much had that game won, right? But everybody wants to talk about how, oh, the referees cheated the Lions, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't like blaming the referees for our fuck-ups, but okay, the referees screwed us. Let's just, let's just say that, all right? Well, the Lions still had a chance to win that game. The Green Bay Packers, there's no time on the clock. The Green Bay Packers get one play. Everybody in that stadium, everybody watching TV, I knew what was coming next. 
I'm not an NFL head coach, but I knew what the Packers were going to do. They were going to throw the Hail Mary. No, not the coach of the team, though. Not the Detroit Lions coach, Jim Caldwell. What he said was, oh, I thought that they were going to do that pitch it back and forth type of thing. Basically meaning laterals, which they the Packers had just done on the previous play where the, the penalty came in at. So... You at the time you had one of the best pass rushers in the NFL and Ziggy Ansah. They only rushed, I want to say they only rushed three players. Why wasn't your best pass rusher, one of the best pass rushers in the league, one of the guys that rushed the quarterback? They had Ziggy Ansah like 20, 30 yards down the field, standing on the sidelines to defend the lateral. Last year you had Calvin Johnson. Got six five, unbelievable jumping ability. Why didn't you have him out there to bat the ball down? Also, if you go back and watch that play, Richard Rodgers is the one that catches the touchdown, the tight end. If you look, there's no Detroit Lions in front of him defending the goal line. All the Lions players are standing behind the Green Bay Packers players, which means think about basketball when you have a player in the post and the defender is the one that's in front of the basket right but that's how it's supposed to be done in basketball but this is basically how the lions were defending the goal line they were standing behind the goal line and behind all the packers players which means if that ball <laughs> Which it did. If that ball crosses the goal line, the Packers players are right there to catch the ball. And that's exactly what happened. And that's that all falls on your head coach. And that's just one example. I, I've said it time and time again. Jim Caldwell, personally, his personal decisions, his coaching decisions cost the Detroit Lions and basically all the teams he's ever coached one to three games every single year. Every single year, one to three games are lost because of decisions made by Jim Caldwell, and he has to go. As far as like managing the talent, he's damn good at that. He's damn good at leading men. But when it comes to making those decisions in the game, he's not good, and he hurts the team, and he has to go. But I don't think Bob Quinn's going to be able to make that decision. I think Martha Ford loves Jim Caldwell too much to let him go. And I think he's going to come back and be the coach of this team. Next year, I have high expectations for this team. I felt like this year was a, a learning year. It was a re, retooling year. But next year, there's expectations on this team. And if Jim Caldwell is here, I don't think we're going to meet those expectations. Just my thoughts. So, those are my thoughts on the first half of the season. We got seven more games to go. Hopefully, they'll be able to continue this trick they're on and make a run for the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. All right, that was the state of the Detroit Lions. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. But before we go, I have a very, very, very special guest. Uh, the greatest woman alive. 
<laughs> coming from the mean streets of Pihonix, Arizona. Everybody say hi to my girlfriend, Marky. Say hi, Marky. Uh-huh, I'm the greatest woman alive. Hi. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you close. You're in the running. You're, you're nominated. <laughs> you are so <laughs> um, Well, on the intro, I'll just tell everybody how I came from uh, the mean streets of Pihonix, Arizona. So, uh, mm-hmm. like, since I was just talking to you, I thought I'd, you know, ask you, what did you think about our little time there in Pihonix? <laughs> Wait, say that again? I said, since it, I was just talking about uh, my little trip to P. Honix in my intro, mm-hmm. so I'm like, hmm, well, I got you on the phone. I might as well get your thoughts on our little time in P. Honix, Arizona. I think um, I enjoyed just you coming out here. It was, uh, I'm glad you got to have some good weather because, you know, your, your guys' weather. But, <laughs> oh, that's, 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 hi, Devin. <laughs> hi. So, he says hi. Um, so, but I, I think, um, Sunday was my most favorite day because I really enjoyed being at the football game, but overall, the entire time you're here was fantastic. That's to see my baby. Wait, so, so what was my highlight of the whole trip? What was your highlight of the whole trip? As in your highlight coming from me or your highlight that you said? Just well, besides seeing you, just in general, what, what was my favorite part of the whole trip? Coming to see me. Is that, but, but besides seeing you, <laughs> um, the half not beer. Okay, yeah, that was pretty damn good too. Uh, yeah, I got a new favorite I- IPA, but no, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I think you said that your favorite part about. Coming out here was me not making you watch Harry Potter. Okay, yeah, all right, let me rephrase that. So, what's my second favorite part of the whole trip? <laughs> <laughs> your second favorite part of the whole trip, your bucket list. No, well, it was a part of the bucket list. Ten dollar parking, baby. Oh, that's right. Oh, because you said that a million times. Yeah. That's the first thing in my mind. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, ten dollar parking. Everywhere we went, it's not a person. Man. I'm like, man, crazy. I'm like, man, if I go to the Lions game, I'm coming out at least $35. At least. No. I said, we're, Phoenix is really good about that because we there's a lot of places to park. And then street parking, if it's not crowded, it's usually free. But when we went down to the basketball game, there was no street parking. Parking was great. Phoenix is a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty nice little town. It's nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the part that I live in is pretty clean. I didn't take you all into like you know the the ghettos oh. of uh, of Phoenix. There are some. Oh. Pretty tragic. You gotta go to the hood next time. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're going to come out here another time? We can come back to visit. I have friends out here. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Um, I think I still want to come in January, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, sir. You have to make your mind up. 
Seriously. <laughs> I need to know. You need to let me know two weeks before I, I need to come to you or you need to come to me. Look, I already okay? t- look, I already give for my birthday. I already got that, that Friday off, so we're, we're we're good on that one. Okay, so I'm still coming to you for your birthday? Yes, that's that's Okay. I got that uh locked up yesterday. Okay. So you you won't be free for anybody else on the entire planet on your birthday, just so you know. Wait, what was that? I said you won't be free for anybody else on the entire planet for your birthday. So, you know, you just have to turn your phone off that day. So so basically I'm falling off of the grid for three days. Yeah. All right. Well, just for one day for your actual birthday, you don't have to be off the grid for the whole time I'm there. For some reason, I don't believe that. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I kind of kind of got quiet. I, I wasn't sure yet. <laughs> Man, you are silly. Well, r- r- real quick, so um, what what did you think about the actual game itself, the the Phoenix Suns and the Arizona Cardinals game? Well, the Suns game was very boring. <laughs> And the seats were pretty tight. They were squeezing my hips. Um, the Cardinal game, however, I really enjoyed that. I think I enjoy football mostly more than any sport ever. Because I've been a football fan since I was six. Okay. You know, I kind of yeah. agree with you. That, that Suns game was pretty boring. Yeah. Like I feel like the most entertainment I was getting was uh, talking shit about Brandon Knight. <laughs> Yeah, because you're crazy, and you're petty, so you took a picture of him sitting on the bench. <laughs> That's where he belongs, on the bench. Yes. Well, you know, his, his bench paycheck is looking pretty nice. I need one of those. Hashtag winning. <laughs> right, exactly. He's still winning. Stop hating, honey. Stop hating. Wish I could get a bench paycheck from the NBA. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> But one of us needs to have a come up, a good one. I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. No, but the, you know the Cardinals game. I think the people that we met at the Cardinals game were a lot more interesting and a lot more entertaining to be around. Um, and I think the commentary that you got back from your your neighbor sitting next to you was a lot better than the the Suns Arena. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it just so happens that. You know, I come all the way to Arizona. I think, what, the stadium's in what, Glensdale? Yeah. Yeah, I am fly all the way to Phoenix, and I'm in Glendale, Arizona, and I just so happen to buy tickets next to an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> right. <laughs> as long as he wasn't a Notre Dame fan, I, I can tolerate it, though. Yeah, I don't like them either. All right, well, I don't know who I, I despise more the. The Ohio fans or the Notre Dame fans? I think the Ohio, Ohio fans are a little more civilized than the Notre Dame fans. They riot more out there. Yeah, I just hate Notre Dame in general, so I'm going to go with Notre Dame, too. <laughs> okay. Well, Matt, anything you want to say to my uh, adoring fans of the All Steak No Sizzle podcast, madam? I think that your adoring fans should share your podcast more and get him out there so he can get more listeners so 
we can get him paid for things that he loves to do. Call him like I do, adoring fan of all fake no sizzle. In other words, uh, mama needs some new shoes, and uh, <laughs> she's trying to get some money no, out of it. No, in other words, mama wants to go to Harry Potter World, sadly. <laughs> uh, r- results are pending. <laughs> results are pending. Yes. Uh-oh, almost lost you again. Well, uh, thank you, Miss Market, for uh, taking a little time on your lunch break to uh, jump on the podcast for a second. Oh, you are more than welcome. Honey, bunches of oats. All right, need to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I think I'll leave that in. That's kind of cute. Yeah, that's very cute. Aww. Thank you to Marky for jumping on the show real quick. Thought I'd have her give her account on uh, what went on this past weekend in Arizona. So thank you, madam. And thank all of you for listening to the show. I appreciate you. I really do. And I hope you all enjoyed the state of the Detroit Lions. Make sure if you have any opposing viewpoints, if you agree with me, make sure you comment. And you can do so on the SoundCloud page itself. Or you can hit me up on the All State No Sizzle Facebook page. You can hit me up on twitter or instagram my twitter and instagram is devin the 63 that's d-e-v-i-n-t-h-e 63 or you can shoot me an email the all state no sizzle podcast email is asns podcast at gmail.com that's asns podcast at gmail.com feel free to let me know what you think about detroit lines this year and if you agree or disagree with my take on the team and you know what? Let me also hear what you got to say about um, my take on the Tribe album and Little Brother and, and Slum Village and what you thought about what I had to say, my open letter to two of my favorite hip-hop groups. So just let me know. Just interact with the show, people. Like, share it, comment. If you like the show, you know, share it with somebody else. If you don't like the show, let share it with somebody else so they can hear how bad the show is but i appreciate y'all thank you for listening and i'll check you out next week peace